Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I'm extremely, extremely excited. Like I've been praying and getting ready for this series since the beginning of the year. I actually wanted to do it last year and glad that we're finally here. This is an important series for our church. And uh, everybody's going to be on the same page today from Kendall to City Campus. So I'm really pumped about it. Come on, as you're going to the book of Galatians, look at your neighbor and tell him you look good this morning. Come on, smile at the person you're sitting next to. Come on, look at neighbor number two on the other side and tell him I prayed all week that I would sit next to you through the whole series of Galatians. We're meeting here next week as well. Come on, tell him I'm sitting next to you for the next six weeks. <laughs> Some people are like, mm-mm-mm. Hey, I'm really, I'm really pumped. Let me give you a little bit of background first before we begin this series. Anybody, anybody ready? Anybody excited about Galatians? Come on. If not, I, I hope you get excited after today, but... But let me give you a little bit of background context on Galatians. I've been waiting for this, no lie, for months. Galatians, to me, is one of the most important books in the New Testament. The book that we're about to read is extremely, extremely important. In our church, we believe that reading the Bible is fundamental. We need to read the Bible. And we talk about it here. We need to read the Bible daily, if possible. And maybe about once a year or twice a year, we'll actually go through books of the Bible, right? We've done Ephesians in the past, Philippians in the past. We're starting off Galatians because uh, reading the Bible is extremely important, but especially for our church because this is some good news here. When I share this news, come on, we got to go crazy and get excited. In the past five months alone, we are almost at 1,500 people, new people that decided to follow Jesus. Come on, 1,500 to sit. Come on, somebody give God some praise for that. That's amazing. And so we have so we have a lot of new babies in church, Christian babies, and uh, it's important to know and understand what this Christian journey is all about. There's there's two books in the Bible that really explain what the gospel is, right? There's two books in the New Testament that really explain really well. The first book is Romans. Romans really explains what the gospel is, and then it says some things of what the gospel is not. It's a very important book. Galatians is the second book where it really explains what the gospel is not and then what it is. Those two books are extremely important. What you need to know about those two books is that they were both written by Paul. Paul was an apostle. Paul was a disciple uh, who actually followed Jesus on the way to go persecute the church. Jesus confronts him, knocks him off his horse and says, now you're going to be a follower of me. You're not going to persecute me. And he makes him an apostle, disciple of him. And uh, he starts to follow Jesus after that. And he just becomes an evangelist. Like he just becomes a full-blown evangelist. He starts like just preaching the gospel everywhere. And he becomes a church planter. He literally becomes a leader in the church and he starts planting churches. And he plants churches everywhere. And this is the church that he started in this region called Galatia. Galatia was a region. And in this region, there were several churches that Paul started. He had a relationship with them. He knew them. He would go into uh, this region or like a state called Galatia, which is now modern day Turkey. So this letter was written to what is now modern day Turkey. Back then it was called Galatia. There was a bunch of Christian churches that had started. Paul started them. Then he would move on and continue preaching the gospel. He writes this letter to them in about A.D. 50. A.D. 50 is the date. That's about 15 to 20 years after Jesus dies and resurrects. 
Paul, why is he writing this letter to the region, to the churches in Galatia? Well, there's a problem going on in all these churches. They are messing up the gospel. There's a big problem going on. And so this letter is a corrective letter, and it brings teachings and sound doctrine that the churches back then needed. And can I tell you, the churches today need it. It's a very necessary letter. Like, I'm telling you, that's why I'm so pumped about this, because I think we're going to grow together as a community. We're going to get stronger in our faith. Oh, come on. I am excited about this letter today. It's going to help us. I'm telling you, it's going to help us. And I think the churches in America, around the globe, really, we need sound teaching. And Galatians is full of that. And that's why I'm pumped. I hope that today you lean in. I love it today. Earlier today, everybody was taking notes. Grab a notebook. Grab a phone app, something. We're going to lean in for the next six weeks. And we're going to learn sound doctrine, good doctrine. What does it mean to live this Christian life? Well, Galatians explains it. Go, go to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to read the first nine verses. As we go through books, we, we summarize chapters. And so that's how we're going to do Galatians. If you're there, can you shout amen? All right, cool. It says this, Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. This is to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. Verse 6, I want you to underline, highlight it, mark it. This is kind of like the main verse of chapter 1, really, of all six chapters. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and they are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. We're reading those first nine verses today. That's going to summarize really all of chapter one. I love our community. I love our connect groups. They're going to discuss it during the week. If you're in one, still going in one, we should be on a break, but a lot of them are still meeting. But but I love it. We're going to discuss this, and I pray you read it with your family. Um, Chapter one is extremely important. I pray that today's message, our entire church, we understand it. I think this is one of the most important messages we're going to go through together as a church, especially week one. Of Galatians. So I'm so glad you're here. Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head. Let's ask God to bless this time together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness. Thank you for our services across multiple locations and campuses. Thank you for this community, this family. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this letter of Galatians. Thank you for inspiring and helping Paul write it, God, under the authority of the Holy Spirit, God, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We get this letter that ultimately comes directly from you to come and teach us and help us how to live this life called Christianity, God, to to live and follow Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would have your way in our church today. Thank you for cold ices on a hot summer day in Miami. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all of God's people say, oh, come on, all of God's people say, can you give Jesus one more shout of praise? Come on, Calvary.
I think in life we need to have proper understanding, right? To understand something is extremely, extremely important. You need to understand conversations. You need to understand street signs. You need to understand traffic lights, especially in Miami. You need to understand rules and directions. Understanding is important, isn't it? Because if you don't understand, then you misunderstand. Have you ever misunderstood something? The other day, I almost went down a one-way street because I had a misunderstanding of the street sign. Right? I, I was confused, didn't see it, and I almost went down this one-way street. Misunderstandings, they can happen all the time. Sometimes you'll be having a conversation with somebody and you misunderstand a question. You misunderstand something they say. A fight can break out because of that, an argument, a discussion. And it was all miscommunication or misunderstanding, right? You can misunderstand new signs on the turnpike slash palmetto. You can misunderstand a lot of things. Like misunderstandings happen. all. Have you ever misunderstood something? Come on. Have you ever misunderstood something? Misunderstandings happen often. Understanding is more important than we think, right? The, the other day, I, I went on Twitter, and Twitter is where I get a lot of news source from. I, I like Twitter, and I went on Twitter, and there was this thing going on. There was a big, big commotion going on because everybody was talking about the game Uno. I don't know about you, but I love the game Uno. Anybody love Uno? I love Uno. If you don't know what it is, it's a card game called Uno. You need to play it. Um, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I'm the champion of Uno. Like, I am the champion. I will crush everybody in Uno. I, I will win every single time. I'm, I'm a Uno champion, Uno king. All right? I'm pretty good at Uno. And it's fun. A lot of us here, we like to play Uno. We gather together, and we play it a bunch of times. And that's kind of how we have fun. And playing Uno is extremely, extremely fun, unless you play with cheaters. We don't like playing with cheaters. Uh, the other day, actually, we were playing it with the cheater that comes to church, but we're praying for her. <laughs> she's not here. She's at city campus. Um, Corral, we still love you. We're praying for you. But it was like pick up four. She would pick up four and drop two to the floor. Most steps back, and she has four cars on the floor. She would, like, it was, I'm like, are you, are you even Christian? Like, what's wrong with you? I love Uno, but what was happening is that Uno now has a Twitter account and on Twitter, they were giving the proper directions on how to play the game. And to everybody's shock, we've all been playing it wrong since elementary school. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I, I even told Phil about it. I'm like, can you believe it? They were saying that you can't stack a plus two and a plus four together. It's one card at a time. I'm like, who made up these rules? I don't care who you are. That is wrong. I'm going to keep playing Uno how I want. That's just, I'm, I'm a king. I'm going to do it how I want at Uno. They were giving all these rules, and I'm not going to lie, Twitter, the internet was shocked because we had misunderstood it all along. We've been playing Uno incorrectly. And now, I, I think that's hilarious, but, but I think the same thing can happen with our faith. I think we can have a misunderstanding of God. We can have a misunderstanding of God. If we're not careful, we will see God in a way that we shouldn't be seeing God. We can have a misunderstanding of the gospel. A misunderstanding of Uno can be really funny, but a misunderstanding of the gospel can be really frustrating. All of a sudden, you live this frustrated life because your perspective of God is wrong. I see God in a way I'm not supposed to see God. My perspective is wrong. You know, the wrong perspective of God will, will actually affect you in more ways than you know. 
It, it will mess up your view. Your view of God is important because how you view God is how you'll relate to God. And how you relate to God, your relationship with God, is how you'll tell other people about God. So how's our view of God? I got a question for us this morning. I want you to think about it. Like, how's my view of God, right? Like, I started thinking about this. How do I view God? How do I view God on my good days? How do I view God on my bad days? Like, what do I think of God? How is God like? What does he look like? How is he looking? I wonder what God thinks about your view of God is extremely important. Right? How, how's your view? It's extremely important how your perspective and your view is because if you have a bad view of God, can I tell you, it creates a huge issue in our life. Here's the problem. A wrong view of God will rob you of the freedom that God came to give you. A wrong view of God, it will actually steal and rob your freedom. Instead of living a free life, you'll live a life full of anxiety and stress, and you'll be scared to come to God. You'll see God in a whole different light, and if we're not careful, it will steal our freedom. How do we view God? I think America has this problem. America thinks that God is always mad at us. This is how we view God all across America. In fact, they did a poll several years ago, and uh, they asked people how they view God, and they asked according to your geography, and uh, they summarized that in the South, people view God as an angry God. That's what the poll said. Well, when we think about God, God must be upset or God must be mad at me. Did anybody ever grow up thinking God was probably mad at them at some point in your life? Right. This is how we grow up. Like God, he must be like we think about God and God is up there like mm, he has a lightning bolt in his hand. And you mess up one more time. You you oh my God, you 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 join those Uno cards together one more time. You just get a get a lightning bolt in the head. Right. And this is how we view God always mad or upset at us like and it has stolen our freedom when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to following God. It actually keeps people away from God, this kind of view. Like, God, he must be really, really mad at me. It's a wrong perspective. If you walked in here today thinking God is upset at you, God is mad at you, you probably walked in, you're saying, I can't worship. I really can't talk to God because I've messed up so much. God must be so mad at me. I've got good news for you. He's actually madly in love with you. He loves you more than you can imagine. Can I tell you the, group, the true gospel? It's a gospel of love. It's a gospel of freedom. Oh, I don't know about you, but I serve a God that loves. I serve a God that wants me even when I'm messed up. I serve a God that's always after me. I serve a God that pursued me. I serve a God that loves me, that calls my name. I have a God that gives me freedom. I have a God that gives me life. I have a God that calls me by my name. He came and he rescued me. He put me up on my feet. Oh, come on. Anybody grateful for this love of God? He's a good God. It's a good gospel. Oh, come on. We're not misunderstanding who God is. He is an awesome God altogether. Oh, he's an awesome God. He loves us. He's for us. Don't have a misunderstanding of God. If you have a misunderstanding of God, can I tell you, that is a misunderstanding of the gospel. Or like Paul says, that's no gospel at all. Right? Like, like the word gospel literally means good news. We have good news. Come on, some of you need to remind your face this morning. You got good news. <laughs> you turn on the TV, bad news. 
You go to work, bad news. You talk to neighbors, bad news. You talk to family, bad news. You can look at your bank account, bad news. But when we open up the Bible, I want to tell you it's full of good news. I got hope. I got life. I got healing. I got mercy. I got grace. Oh, come on, somebody. We got the gospel. We got good news. There's good news in Jesus. There's good news for your family. There's good news for your health. There's good news for your finances. There's good news for your future. There is good news for you and for me today somebody give God a big shout of praise in this place come on that's why I love our church our church is always with a smile on our face why because we have good news how you doing today Mm. 35 years serving Jesus life is hard Oh, I know life is hard, but I got a God that's way stronger, way bigger. He's for me. He's on my side. In fact, I don't fight. He fights for me. He goes before me. Come on. We have good news. If we're not careful, we'll go from a grace gospel to a religious gospel. And this is what's happening all throughout the region of Galatia. This is extremely important to understand what's happening in this book. As we start this book, I'm really, really excited about it because Paul, he is going to correct some things. Paul went to Galatia and and he started all these churches in the region of Galatia. Paul, he was an extreme evangelist. Like he'll show up at a coffee shop, start a church. He'll go to a restaurant, start a church. He'll show up in somebody's house, 30 people. This is the church. Let's go. Like we just need to preach the gospel. Come on. I wish some, some of us were more like that today. Like we're just going to preach the gospel everywhere and to anyone. Paul would show up, gather some people and say, hey, let's go. Let's get a church started. He was, he was raising pastors, leaders. and He started all these churches. He would literally start them then leave a leader or a pastor and he would move on to a different state or region or part of the world. This part of the world is modern-day Turkey. Back then it was known as Galatia, and he starts all these churches. As he moves on, he continues preaching the gospel and goes toward Spain and Italy and all that. Well, back in Galatia, now, now there's a problem. Some false teachers have come behind Paul, and they, they started messing up the gospel. There's a problem going on in this region. And I think it's very relevant to us today because I think there's a problem going on in our side of the world as well when it comes to the gospel. Paul, he's upset. Like like most letters, right? Paul wrote 13 letters, or you call them epistles. They're letters that he wrote to churches. Most letters, he begins with like a nice prayer and a nice greeting. He's like, hey, this is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I love you so much. I'm praying for you. I pray you're doing well. Pray your pets are doing well. (laughs) I pray your whole family's doing well. I love you. I'm praying in Jesus that you're strong in the faith. I'm praying you're doing excellent. I pray awesome things are going on in church. Not in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, he's like, hey, what's up? I got some news to tell you. (laughs) Right? Like verse 6, he switches the tone really quick at the beginning of the letter, and he says, I am astonished. Like Paul is upset. Paul is like, I am surprised. I am astonished. I cannot believe that you are deserting or leaving the gospel that I preached to you. Are are you seriously leaving the gospel? Are you seriously leaving the the good news that I started these churches in? Like the good news, the gospel was the foundation for all of our churches. And you're leaving them, he says, you're deserting them and you are going to a different gospel. Paul, right at the beginning of the letter, he wants to correct. He's upset. You can tell he's emotional. He's like, I can't believe that you're deserting the gospel and you're turning to a different gospel. This different gospel, he says, is really no gospel at all. 
a serious tone. This is no gospel at all. Some of you are perverting the gospel. To pervert the gospel literally means to reverse the order. The word pervert there in the Greek means to reverse. You are reversing the order of the gospel. I'm astonished. I'm surprised. I'm bewildered. I'm bamboozled. I'm shook. I can't believe it. Can I tell you, like, if, I think if Paul was, was alive today, he'll look at some of the churches across America and say, I'm, I'm astonished. You've left the gospel and you're turning to it. Some of you had no idea another gospel existed. Can I tell you, several other false gospels exist. But there's one true gospel. It's what we were founded on. It's what we live off. And Paul's saying, what's the problem? What's going on in Galatia? Well, Paul started these churches. He would move on. And now some false teachers came in. Now, these false teachers, they were Jewish Christians, right? They grew up Jewish and they grew up following the Torah, reading the Torah under the Mosaic law or the Mosaic covenant. So they had to follow a lot of laws and commandments. And so now they become Christian. They're believers in Jesus. But now they're leaders and they come into churches and they're saying, well, well, some of you, you are Christians because you believe in Jesus, but you still need to do A, B, C, and D. Like you, you still need to follow the Mosaic law. You still need to follow the Mosaic covenants, traditions. You need to eat certain things. You can't, can't eat certain things. There's certain things you could do. There's certain things you cannot do. There were all these laws that they added to the Bible that actually became a weight on people and it would free them. It would rob them of the freedom that they had in Jesus. Right? And one of the major problems that they were having is like they were saying, hey, if you believe in Jesus, all the men, another step to salvation is that you need to get circumcised. <clears throat> kind of embarrassing. It might be a shock to you, but this was a big deal in the Old Testament, right? They believed that every single man needed to be circumcised. This was a big deal back then. In fact, if you read in Acts chapter 15, the apostles, they all got together to discuss this in the church. Like, hey, a bunch of Gentiles, non-Jewish people are getting saved. Should we have like an extra step of salvation to them? Like, okay, you need to believe in Jesus. But then after that, you you need to have a surgery. (laughs) Like, like we're going to add a fifth step to growth track that starts today. And step number five is going to be surgery. (laughs) Calvary would be all full of women, no men in this church, right? (laughs) Like, this was a serious discussion because they went all the way back to the Mosaic Law when that was just a symbol, a representation that God, when he comes into your life, he wants to cut away the unclean thing of your heart. It's not just physically. It was physical in the old because it represented spiritual in the new. And now all of a sudden they're saying, nope, everybody still needs to take these steps. What are you eating? What are you doing? Where are you going? How are you doing? Have you gotten circumcised? (laughs) And so Paul leaves the area of Galatians and now all these false teachers come in and they're putting this pressure on people and saying, if you don't do it this way, you're not saved. Oh, and people are like, oh, I thought I was saved because I believed in Jesus. I thought I was saved because I put my faith in Jesus. That's what Paul taught us. That was the gospel. But yeah, I guess we I guess we do got to live this way. And when you turn to a different gospel, it goes from a life full of freedom to a life full of rules, regulations, weights, and burdens on your life. Now, all of a sudden, you feel like I got to do all these things in order to be right with God. And if I don't do them, I'm not right with God. That's how America thinks of God. Okay, I know God must love. He loves me only on my good days. He loves me when I haven't had a bad thought, haven't said a bad word. He loves me when I go to mass. <laughs> he loves me when I go to church. He loves like 
when I, when I help somebody cross the street, that's when he loves me. Other than that, if I don't do all these things, I'm not loved by God. Wait, wait, have we perverted the gospel? Are, are we turning from a gospel of grace to a gospel full of laws, traditions, and religion? Church, I want to tell you, we, we need to understand the gospel. Paul's mission in the book of Galatians is for us to live a life full of freedom when we understand the full, pure gospel of Jesus. It is pure. It is beautiful. It is the greatest news in the world. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. As, as we start this series, I think all of us, we, we need to understand what the gospel is. And I realize there's a whole lot of new people in our church. And so we need to have a clear understanding on what is the gospel. I'm going to try to summarize it to you in three quick ways. Then we'll worship Jesus and go live an amazing, amazing week as we tell people what the true gospel is. All right. What, what is the true gospel? Well, number one, the true gospel is trusting God's work. You need to trust God's word. Somebody say trust. trust. Can I tell you the false gospel, the one that's no gospel at all? It's all about you. The true gospel is all about Jesus. Right. The other gospel, the one that that is false, the one that's not true. It's all about you. I got news for you. This is not all about us. It's not about us. The other gospel, the false gospel will say, how much have you done? Right. It can actually lead to spiritual pride. Right. Like people who who follow that false gospel. There's this all of a sudden this huge spiritual ego in their life because they feel like they do more than everybody else. And because they do more, they got more works in their life. They are better than you and I. Like I grew up in church. And so you, you'll see this often in different churches, people who walk around with this type of mentality, who follow this type of teaching. They think they're closer to God because of what they do. Right. And so they'll walk around. They'll be like, <clears throat> ah, I'm ready for services today. Just a little tired. I woke up at 3 a.m. to read the Bible for hours. Just who I am. <laughs> I follow Jesus really good. <laughs> do, 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 do you read your Bible for three hours a day? And you'll be like, oh, no, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I did it, too. <laughs> I, I read a, a verse this morning. You only read a verse. You are not even Christian at all. Do you even love Jesus? Like they talk in that matter too. <laughs> Come on, some of you that you've been in church long enough, you, you've seen this kind of people. Right? Like, like hey, hey, how's life going? It's going amazing. Last night, just went in my prayer closet. <laughs> went in my prayer closet and I prayed for four hours. I had a vision. Angels came down in my closet and ministered to me and one was playing a harp. The other one is saxophone. Weird, but I don't know. Like, come on. This, this is spiritual pride. Can I tell you, it sounds funny, but it's keeping people from Jesus. I've seen it. I've grown up in a culture where I saw people say, hey, if you don't pray this amount of hours, if you don't read this much scripture, then you're not spiritual and you're not close to God. And because I do, I'm closer to him. I have a better relationship with God. How many gifts do you have? Do you have spiritual gifts in your life? That's why the next series is so important, right? Oh, do you prophesy? Do you speak in tongues? Because if you don't, you may not be godly. How dare you step into this church? Go speak in tongues somewhere. I'm like, I've known people that speak more tongues than anybody I know, yet they look less like Jesus than anybody. Right? Like this spiritual journey is not about how much we do. That leads to spiritual pride. Can I tell you, we should read the Bible. We should pray and we should do it daily. 
But let that not be the reason why you think you are saved. Oh, we're not saved because of what we do. We're saved because of what Jesus has already done. He died for me. He went on a cross for me. Oh, Jesus took the sins of the world so that all who are far from God can come close to God. I'm saved because of his performance, not my performance. That's why we're saved. This is how Pharisees spoke. Pharisees would walk around with their head really high. But we're better than everybody. We're leaders in the church. We memorize scripture and we are circumcised. (laughs) Jesus spoke to them. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 5 verses 39 through 40. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures, they point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Oh, you memorize a whole bunch of scriptures. Oh, you pray for hours on end. Oh, you fast for a week and you look like you're dying. That's great. But you don't know me. But can I tell you, I'm all about Bible memorization. We should memorize the Bible. I'm, I'm all about Bible reading. I pray that today you go home with your family, with your kids, with your spouse. You sit down, read Galatians together. It will help you. I'm all about Bible reading. I'm all about Bible knowledge. We're starting a college in a few months that's all about knowing the Bible. But I want to tell you that if that head knowledge doesn't go into spiritual heart relationship with Jesus, it means nothing. It's a heart to heart relationship with Jesus, getting to know him. It doesn't matter what you do or how much you do. It's having a relationship that saves us. You you know what really ultimately the gospel is about? It's about rescue. Somebody say rescue. Rescue. I'm I'm going to say something that may sound shocking at the beginning, but, but I want you to hear me. You are not a Christian because you follow Jesus. You're not a Christian because you follow Jesus. You're a Christian because you've been rescued by Jesus. We are saved. He rescued us. We we were dead in our sins. We couldn't follow if we wanted to. We couldn't move. We were dead in our sins. We thought wrong, did wrong. We were dead, spiritually dead, never alive. Couldn't make ourselves alive if we wanted to. With all our efforts, all our Bible reading, all our head knowledge, we were not alive. We were dead. But he came and he rescued us and he put us on a rock. And now that I'm alive, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian because he rescued me from my sin. I'm a Christian because he gave me his grace. I'm saved because my God is so good that he loved me and he picked me up. You're not Christian because you, get, you do all these things. You're Christian because he rescued you. And the truth is, all of us need rescue. The world needs rescuing. Jesus, he is the one that rescued. What is the gospel? It's trusting God's work. Number two is resting in God's approval. Somebody say approval. A lot of us think that we're saved because our behavior. Well, if I behave really good, then I'll be saved. Like the first one causes spiritual pride, right? Trusting in your own works. The second one causes spiritual hopelessness. Because even if you already follow Jesus, if you had a really bad week, you'll feel hopeless. Like there's no way he loves me. We're not saved because we behave. We're saved because we believe. If you're not careful, we can walk into a setting like this. And we can say, oh, I had a bad week. I better not, better not lift up my hands during worship. And I uh, better not clap because I'm, I'm just going to be a hypocrite. 
Can't go to growth track today. Can't join dream team ever because I behaved really bad this week. I did some things. I messed up and God must be mad at me. And so we think God disapproved. Like, like God, one week he likes you, one week he doesn't like you. One week he saved you, another week he let you go because you had a bad week. I said, that's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. And it's actually creating more burdens in our life, more weights in our life because we come heavy before God. God, oh, I don't even know. And so what, you know what it does? It actually pulls people apart from God. I gotta do all these things and if I do them, then maybe you'll love me again. I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm gonna crawl around the church and I'm gonna memorize a bunch of scriptures and memorize a bunch of prayers. I'm gonna try really hard mm, this week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna think bad. Oh no, bad thought. Get away now, now. Oh God's God's unhappy again. Ha. It's like, whoa, what kind of what kind of relationship is that? But this is how a lot of us view God. So we come in here like, bad me. God, don't hit me. Like honestly, this is how we view God. You you know why? Because we lived in an urn type culture. Like, hey. You ever heard this phrase? Hey, nothing is free. You ever heard that? Nothing is free. If you want something in life, you got to what? Work hard. That's how we grew up. And I think it's, it's true. You, for example, you want to lose weight and get a six pack? What do you need to do? Work hard. <laughs> Put those carbs down. Pick up those celery sticks. Shove kale down your throat, even if it tastes like nothing. <laughs> Work hard. You don't get a body like this by not working. <laughs> Some of you are laughing too hard. That's not cool. You, you, you want a college degree? What do you got to do? Work hard. You better study. That degree doesn't come for free. Oh, you want a promotion at your job? You want a big salary? You want to have a big house one day and a nice car? Nothing wrong with that. What do you got to do? Work hard. You better work hard. And so our whole life is like, ooh, nothing is given. Everything's earned. I got to work hard, work hard, work hard. The problem is we bring that setting before God. And so if I want God's presence, I got to earn it. If I want God's love, I got to earn it. If I want God's forgiveness, I got to earn it. I got to work really hard because, man, I had a bad week. And, oh, how can I earn this? Can I tell you, in the world, it is earned, not given. But with God, it is given, not earned. You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it. We were far from God, but God is so good. He approved of us before we behaved. He loved us before we came to him. He's a good God. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. You don't have to work for it. He already approves of you. He loves you. Doesn't love the stuff we do, but he loves you. And he says, I love you like you are, and I'm going to help you not to stay that way. We're justified not by our behavior. We're justified by faith. Justified means to be right with God, to be righteous, to be declared free by faith, not by works. Look what the Bible says, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. It doesn't say we've been justified by works, by behavior. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
It's a gift. It was, it was given. Today, do you feel far from God? Today, do you feel like God must be mad at me, upset at me? Oh, my God, I can't even get close to God. Can I tell you, you don't come close to God by what you do. You come close to God by who he is. In fact, today, I want to tell you, when you look up and you think about God, how do you see God? How's his face? Can I tell you, God has a smile on his face. He loves you. When he thinks about you, he smiles. He's not running from you. He's running to you. Today, I want you to have a picture of God, of a God who's running after you. He loves you. Even when we've turned our back on him, he never turns his back on us. He's running to you. Today, I don't know where you are. He's running to you. Have I turned to a different gospel and made it a religious gospel, works gospel? I've got to work my way to God. You need to rest in his approval. Yeah, I had a bad week, but, but I'm thankful that his grace is here today. One brings conviction. Can I tell you, the other one brings condemnation. Condemnation is not from God. And there's millions upon millions of people in our country, and I'll say this, even in our church, that you feel condemned because you messed up. You did wrong. And condemnation is keeping you. I'm, I'm bad. You feel, you feel guilt. You feel shame. You're embarrassed. And so I'm, I'm just going to step back. Condemnation pulls you away from God. Conviction draws you closer to God. Ah, yeah, I did some things I'm not proud of this week, but God, thank you that your grace is here. Can you forgive me? Thank you for loving me even when I mess up. Forgive me, God, I don't want to live this way. It's two very different understandings. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to have good days, I'm going to have some bad days, but in my bad days, I need to rest in his approval. I understand that he loves me, which is the third one. We need to accept God's love. Trust in his work. After you trust in his work, you need to rest in his approval. Don't be bogged down, weighed down by religion and law. And that comes by accepting his love. It literally means just receive his love. He loves you. Some of us have a hard time understanding how much God loves us. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If we, and you know what we do? We pervert the gospel in our own mind. This is what we do. We, we change the order of the gospel. We say, well, I guess I'm going to be saved if I obey and do right. If I get all these things right, then, then he'll love me and then... I'll be saved. It's too right. Then he'll love me. Then I'll be saved. You're reversing the order. You're perverting the gospel. Paul says, don't pervert the gospel. Oh, being saved is understanding he loves you, trusting in Jesus. And because you understand his love, then you obey. Don't, don't get it twisted, Paul is saying. In fact, I'll put it to you this way. When God went to save Israel from Egypt, he didn't send Moses in there and say, hey, attention, everybody, I'm going to take you out of Egypt in just a moment. God sent me. Uh, but here's what you need to do. I'm going to give you 532 laws. If you follow all of them, and then a couple days we'll talk and we'll get you out of here. If you don't, you're going to stay here forever. Like, come on, we saw the prince of Egypt. That's not what happened. <laughs> like, like Moses didn't go in there and say, hey, get it all, get it right. Get your lives together, and if you get your lives together, then God will get you out of here. No, salvation 
is, hey, I love you. I'm going to deliver you. And after I deliver you, while they were going into the promised land, I'm going to show you how you live. And he gave them the law. First, you're delivered because of his love. Paul says, it is by the will of God. Alex, but I don't understand. How could he love me? I'm so messed up. It's his will? Yeah, but I messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I've, I've done so bad. It's his will? Yeah, but how, how, could, he, how could I ever be on Dream Team? Why, why should I go to Grow Track? I can't get close. To, because it's his will for you to be close? It's his will to deliver you, to love you? He delivered you. He loved you. And then he shows you how to live. The gospel is not get it right so you can come close to God. The gospel is come close to God and he'll help you to get it right. Because he loves us. His love is amazing. I had a conversation with somebody a few years ago. It's a conversation I'll never forget. A very special conversation. It meant a lot to me. Like It was a late night conversation where we were both in tears. This person means the world to me. and I was hanging out with him and and I remember him crying. He's just telling me, like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I'm, I'm so messed up. Like, there's no way God can love me. I've, I've done too much wrong. And, him, and I, like, I, you know, when you're trying to, like, you're talking on the outside, but on the inside, you're thinking a million thoughts. I'm like, like, God, help me to explain the gospel. Help me to explain to him how much you love him. And this person's like, I've done so wrong, like, come on like this is the way we were raised this is how we were taught like I've done wrong so God doesn't want me and he throws me out I'm like no that's not the gospel he loves you he loves you and if we don't get that right if we don't receive his love accept his love we'll reverse the order and all of a sudden we'll live a have to life well I guess I should come to church because I have to no, we, we don't come to church because we have to. We gather here on Sunday because it's the first day of the week and I get to lift up his name. I get to worship him. It's not have to, it's get to. Like, like when we're singing songs at the beginning and at the end, I'm, I'm not like raising up my voice and I'm not excited because I have to, otherwise God will be really mad. No, like I'm lifting up my voice because I shouldn't be praising him. I shouldn't be lifting up my hands. But by his grace, he has me here. By his grace, by his forgiveness, by his mercy, I'm the last one that should be praising. But my God is so good and my God is so awesome that I get to lift up my hands, that I get to lift up my voice. Oh, it's not have to. I get to praise him. I get to worship him. I I get to thank my God. I receive his love. I accept his love. Come on, with hands lifted. Can we lift up our voice? Can we sing about his grace? Can we sing about his love? Come on, with all you got. Let's sing it
Come on, with every eye closed. Come on, can we lift up our hands across this place? We're leaving in just a few minutes. Come on, anybody thankful for his grace? I'm telling you, this first week of Galatians is so important. Have we perverted the gospel? Have we reversed it? I'm astonished. I'm surprised, says Paul. Remember the foundation. Remember what Jesus did. We talked about it in communion. It's not because of anything we did. It's not because of anything we could do. It's because of everything Jesus has done. Come on, for just 30 seconds, can you lift up your hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Come on, just tell them whatever you're thankful for. Thank you for my family. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve this, God. I don't deserve any of this. You are so good. Lord, you know we're sinners. You know we were far from you. Thank you for bringing us close. Hallelujah. We don't want to live in reverse. We're going forward, moving forward with our eyes on you, Jesus. Somebody's being set free this morning in Jesus' name. I don't know what your view of God was. I don't know what your perspective perspective was, but he wants to free you today. Take that weight off your shoulders. It's not on you. He carried it at Calvary. Get a right relationship with God. It's a life full of freedom. It's not works. It's not about how good you are or what you do. You're adding burden on your life. Jesus came. Him, him who the Son says free is free indeed. Rest, trust, accept His love. Whatever your eye closed, whatever your head bowed, all across this place. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Alex, I, I am far from God. I've never put my faith or my trust in Him. I, maybe it's your first time here, second time here. Maybe you've been coming for a little bit, but you've never made a decision to fully receive his love believe in him the bible says that all of us were sinners i'm a sinner you're a sinner all of us have sinned we've done wrong thought wrong said wrong and it's our sin that separates us from god god loves us but god can't be with sin and so it caused a separation and because of that in his love he sent jesus down and jesus came and he he grabbed my sin your sin the Bible says that he carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus, he went up on a cross and he died for humanity. Went down to a grave, was in a grave for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. We believe that he's alive today. He's the hope, the answer, the mercy, the grace that we need. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, all across this auditorium. If you're watching online, or in additional seating, every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, this is a private moment. If you're here today, you say, Alex, I, I need to receive his love. If you're in here, you say, Alex, I, I need to believe in Jesus. Put my faith and trust in him. The Bible says that if you call on the, need, on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. If you're here, you say, Alex, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Every eye closed, every, every head bowed. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Raise it up for a few seconds and you can put it right back down. If you're saying today I want I want a brand new beginning today I want a brand new start at the count of three raise your hand one two three raise your hand all over this place come on can you raise it up as high as you can hold it up for a few seconds God bless you and you and you and you God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you you God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you all these hands raised God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you amazing God bless you guys over here amazing amazing father thank you for all these hands 
I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me for the bottom of your heart. Come on, the whole church together. Repeat this out loud. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Oh, come on, Calvary. You know how we do. Can we congratulate them? Oh, come on. Can you make some noise? Come on.